back, everybody, to another episode of Bootstrap Web. Brian, good to be with you on a Friday. Hey, How Jordan, good to be back. Yeah, should be good. All right, so what do we got? You're you're in Chicago again. You're you're settling in. I'm getting settled in. I've only been here for like a week, uh, so it's been been a bit of a whirlwind. But I got myself set up in a co-working space, feeling good. Kids are in school. Feels good to be done with this week. It's been it's been busy. <laughs> That's how I feel. It is my favorite when it feels like that. When it feels a little chaotic and I'm leaving the office and I'm like almost like a little out of breath. I'm like, oh my God, what what just happened? It's that I think that's my favorite spot. Yeah. I mean, I think work for me is always kind of chaotic, but we're just finishing up the summer. The kids are starting school on, on Monday and we just did a quick trip half of last week. I just love Airbnb. Like just as a, I, I can't believe this is like part of our world now. Like, cause we were able to just go drive three hours upstate New York and get a, get a lake house. We, we wanted to hang out at a lake house, you know, get a house on a lake with a couple of kayaks and canoes and hiking. And that's what we wanted to do for a few days. And we spent a few hundred bucks and we can go do that. When we were kids to, to be able to do that, we would either have to own that lake house or have a friend who owns that, that right. lake house. And that's it, you know, the only two options. Yeah. So that yeah, was kind of is. fun, but, but we're, we're done with the, the trips for a while. I've got a couple of business conferences coming up, but like, other than that, like if, from here through the rest of the year, it, it's, it's heads down work mode. I can't wait to, I, I've got a lot coming up in, in zip message land and I can't wait to just really dig into it. I feel the same way. I think it's partly calendar, you know, like summer ending and starting school and whatever else, but I, I feel so happy about being able to focus on work. We left our house in mid-July. So it's been, you know, six weeks of running around, working on a laptop and all that. And man, it feels great to just be locked in. It feels great. Cool. Well, we, we, we got a lot to talk about. So we got a lot of things to cover. Where do you want to start, man? The big thing that's been on my mind and, and what I'm working on every day, this has been all summer long now, is a deep dive on customer research. I've been doing a lot of customer interviews and logging them and learning from them and and using them along with a lot of other data points and and things to really solidify a big new direction in, in ZipMessage. I, I'm, I'm really thinking of it as like a next big, how to describe it? Like it's not a rewrite by any means. It's maybe ZipMessage 2.0 is the wrong way to put it, but it's like, a big next iteration of the product and the and the marketing focus and the target customer yeah we're we're building on on what we've had so anyway that that's one big topic that i want to talk about and the other one is this idea of running and working on multiple tracks simultaneously and managing that trying to stay sane trying to have like mental models around that i, I can just share a little bit about because someone asked me this week about you know how does one thing that i worked on kind of contribute to the bigger picture direction which is a great question but the answer is that, well, it's just one thing and there's actually a lot more that's going on just on very different timelines. So maybe I, I, I would talk a bit about that. Anyway, what do, you, what do you got? I got a little bit of personal moving to Chicago and how that's kind of impacted me. And it's closely related to professional, but it's just like one of these topics that I think all of us deal with in terms of like motivation and where it comes from and how your environment shapes it. The big theme on the business side has really been around people. Uh, and what I mean by that is hiring, 
resignations, building up teams, building up the organization, trying to figure out who we need in place, how do we find them? So it's been a lot of, a lot of like, that's been my big focus. So those two and just how they relate to going to market and bringing in customers and getting them successful and happy. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start? Why don't you start with one of those? Yeah. Well, I'll start with the personal. We got here to Chicago like a few weeks ago. We stayed for a week. Then we went out to the Hamptons and hung out for a week with my family and then came back here. So we've been here two weeks out of the last like four weeks type of a, you know, kind of an odd thing. But moving here and just starting to settle in, what I found is that the the environment has a very, very big impact on the conversation I'm having in my head around ambition and money and business and that soup. Hmm. And what do you mean by environment? Okay. So we left the New York area and like that very intense, like Westport, you're familiar with it, but maybe you know other people aren't. It's a pretty intense environment in terms of like money and how showy it is and all that other stuff. We didn't like the direction that was going. And an, a, an important element of that was the environment didn't feel that healthy. You know, 18-year-olds driving $100,000 cars is kind of like, a, all right, I, I get the point on what's going on here. And we've decided that that's not our preference to live in a place to raise kids. Yeah. So New York. There's a lot of that around New York and Westchester and, and parts of Connecticut too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And look. Part of it is ego and part of it is not liking being around people that I feel are more successful. And so there's definitely like that insecurity ego stuff that happens hundred percent. We moved to Portland. And one of the things we loved about Portland is that we felt none of it. We lived in like this nice area and there were barely even like luxury cars. So you get a beautiful house and a Subaru that's five years old up front, you know, and we were like, Oh, that, that feels healthy because people focused on how nice of and good of a person are you, not what do you do for a living, how much money do you make, how fancy is your stuff. So we love that. The, the issue with it is when I was in that New York environment, I had a never ending source of ambition and energy because you're literally surrounded by it all day, every day, and it makes you want to strive. That's true, especially when you live in the city. I, I lived in, in Brooklyn and Queens, for multiple years there. And yeah, just being around that environment does give you that energy for sure. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, Long Island and, and then we were in Norwalk, which is right next to Westport in Connecticut. You're, you're right. Like it's what I've seen in growing up in Long Island, just like you, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of money around, but especially as I'm getting older, like the value just seems like so out of whack, you know, like everything is way more expensive than it even should be in terms of the quality and the, and the, quality of life and, and all this different stuff, but like people still, they just do live, it, live there and, harder. <laughs> and all that, you know, it's yes. It, yes. Yeah. So, so in Portland that didn't exist and that felt like a healthier culture to live in and, and, and raise a family. But I didn't have, I didn't have very much of the external stimulus that created ambition and striving. I still have it, but it was like internally generated, like, I conceptually would be sitting behind a desk at a computer and thinking about, I want to be successful. I want to be ambitious. I'm looking at Twitter. I'm talking to friends. I see what other people do, but it wasn't like in the environment, like around me. 
And coming to Chicago feels like this in between because, you know, we moved to this town. It's beautiful. And, you know, some of the houses are jaw dropping. And so I am getting that stimulus that I used to get where you just, you know, you can't help it. At least I can't help it. I, I just now I, I want more. I'm, I'm just I feel that energy to strive again. But the Midwest element doesn't have the same edge where New York kind of whispers like, you poor bastard, <laughs> you know, like, it kind of like like points at you. And, yeah, and, there's, and it does seem like there's a lot of like faking happening in New York, whereas Chicago and, and the Midwest is a little bit more real, you know? Yeah, a little a little you know, off the gas and less in your face and less aggressive about it and all, all those things. So it's been an interesting experience to just kind of feel that stuff and acknowledge what's happening internally and like, okay, you know, how do I use this in the right way, in, in the way toward the light and not toward the dark? Because I, I can go in either direction. It It brings me... It forces me into in, into like these reactions and the conversation I have in my head, how I feel about myself, all, all this stuff. So I feel like I, I'm I'm now starting this process of like settling into it and working out in my mind, like, how do I feel about it? What's my interaction with the environment? How am I going to let it create the ambition without the resentment and anger that that I used to you know, characterize it with. So what I'm hearing is in Portland, you were, you were in an area where there's just like a mix of, of what you see in terms of like value of, of real estate and cars and lifestyles and, and people and, and, yeah. and, and, and like the culture around there. Right. And you're, you're now in a suburb of Chicago with you're, you're visually seeing like beautiful homes. Yes. And, like that's back. And, and that, and that lifestyle that you weren't like visually, it wasn't like on your block when you were in Portland. Yes. Not nearly in the same way. It's just like a different thing. And I see it here too. Like, and we moved a little, little bit further up into Connecticut, which is a little bit weird because the property value, like the, the prices go way down, but the houses get huge around here. And even we live in a, in a, in a property that like, I never dreamed we would have this, this much land, like for, for such a low price. Right. Yeah. I, like I'm around it too. Just on my block, there are a million dollar homes, you know? And it's like, I don't know that, that like, it's that big of a change or a shift for, for me in, in, in the areas that, I've, and, and the, and you know, the people that I, that I hang out with, I will say like one, one thing that maybe this is sort of related. So last week, uh, a couple of long time great friends of mine that I, that I grew up with, we got together and went, went to see Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden. Cool. That's fun. Amazing. Which, <laughs> by the way, we had those tickets since 2020 and they oh, finally did the show this year. talking about that. Oh my goodness. Amazing show. But you know, we, we had dinner beforehand and everything and like just hanging out with, with, with my friends, everyone's like doing well in their careers and, and making a lot more money and, and, you know, you know, buying amazing homes and all this stuff. And like, Actually, I'm not the only business owner in, in the group, but like the only one really doing what I'm doing, which is like software startups online, you know, the others are either in jobs or brick and mortar businesses, right? There is always this feeling of like, yeah, like we're very comfortable right now. And I've had some wins in businesses that afford a, a pretty good lifestyle right now, but the actual salary is nothing compared to what most of most of my peers, especially those who who don't own their own businesses are, are making in, in their 
in their high salary jobs, right? Yeah. It's almost like at this age, it's, it's pretty stark. It's like, yes, if you, if you were willing to go that route, you do make more money. It's kind of pretty straightforward. You don't have the opportunity to make, you know, tremendous money, but you cruise and keep going higher. And yeah, and you can invest it wisely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But like, but we own our assets, you know, and that that's the thing that keeps me going. That that keeps me unemployable. Really, is is that I own my own thing, and and what I'm building here is an asset that that will result in a in a in a much bigger win down the road. And I and maybe down the road is just a few years. Maybe down the road is many more years. But for for me, it's 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 also a lot about my current lifestyle and uh the the freedom that it has not just working remotely and everything but like but getting to choose what i what i work on and the type of people i get to work with and and all that kind of stuff right that that all folds into the value prop of of all this you know i had difficulty with it in new york because i was in finance my friends were in finance and then i went toward my own business and being an entrepreneur and at some point you know around i guess 30 years old my friends were making a shit ton of money and I had gone the entrepreneur route and was quite happy about it. But I started to have a pretty difficult time, like, like in terms of like my ego and how happy I was when I'd go hang out with my friends and I was in the struggle and I was trying to build a business and I was, wasn't making anywhere near what they were making. And I, and it, what it did is it made me uncomfortable about the decision that I made and made me start to look back at like, maybe I shouldn't have done it. And I was like, I, this is stupid. That's external. That's I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Why should I allow myself to be unhappy in comparison to other people instead of just, you know, finding your own path. And then, and, and that, that made leaving and really going out on our own feel great. And we started traveling and then all the happiness bubbled up and then success came with that happiness and it, it felt, it felt amazing. So it's interesting to kind of come back into the fold a little bit, right? Oh, last night, when you go back to school night, there are five people there that were walking around with that. I went to school with in Michigan. So like, we're like back in the fold of like, you know, those same circles. Yeah, it's true. You guys are much more socially networked than, than we probably are here. I, I've got a lot of friends and that I've grown up with um, you know, from New York and everything and, and family and stuff, but then a, a whole group of friends on, online on the internet, you know, our, our, our circles who, who are running, running businesses like this. And it's such a night and day difference when, you know, when I'm out to dinner in, in New York with, with folks who aren't doing software startups, there, there's just like zero material to kind of commiserate on. There's a lot of other stuff, but like for, for me, um, there, there's, there's a lot of that energy, ins inspiration, ideas, which is all positive, but there's plenty of the negative stuff of like, man, friends that I've, that I've come up with in this industry where we were at the same level a few years ago have multiple times surpassed where, where I'm at with my stupid MRR graph. Right. And you, you know, you can't get away from that, that kind of shit. That's right. That's right. So it's uh, an ongoing uh, effort. Yep. So that's, that's been a, a big thing that's been on my mind. How about you? What's going on? So I've tweeted about this multiple times. I've talked a bit about it on, on the podcast. This summer, I would say, has been a deep dive in customer research. And, you know, let me preface this by saying, like, ZipMessage is, is 
is doing really well. We actually just surpassed a pretty big milestone. I don't want to talk numbers, but it, but it, it is a good one. But I, I still don't consider what we have today to be quote unquote product market fit. You know, I think we're, I think we're close, but we're not there. There, there are definitely signs that like it, it has not fully clicked yet in, in, a, in a way that you would expect a SaaS to click and, and hit product market fit and grow. That has driven a lot of effort on my end to do to to understand what what do we have here because we do have something we we get plenty of signups and plenty of paying customers every month and there's plenty of churn too uh, just to be transparent about it. My task this whole summer has been to let me understand this as best as I possibly can. You know, uh, uh, and Zip Message compared to all my previous businesses has been so different and so weird in so many ways. There are so many SaaS out there, especially in our bootstrapped SaaS cir- circles, where you start with an industry and you're building the solution for an industry and, and you know mechanically how to like what you need to build to solve a problem for some industry and you build that software. Zip message, as, as you know, you've been listening to the pod like early on, it was basically just a, like an idea that I threw at the wall among several other ideas. And it sort of just resonated with 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 some people. And I had some ideas for use cases for it, but it was sort of wide open. It was very broad. And and for the whole first year, it was super broad and it was growing. And that I think part of that helped it grow. But but also it it what it resulted in by the time we got to summer of 2022 was. What I actually believe is kind of like a one feature product. Really, like really zip message. If if I'm honest about it, we've built a lot, but we've built a lot around a single feature, and that is the video and audio and text asynchronous messaging thread. Is that like right? Features almost like not good enough because you have a lot of features. We have a lot of small features that that all contribute to the same task, the same thing to do, which is a, a messaging thread with someone else or or the group. We've built a lot of the core during the first year. And then into the second year, we started to just keep improving that that feature. We, you know, we improved our recording interface. We improved our reliability. We improved the speed. We improved, we're close to shipping now the ability to edit your videos, which is another feature, but it's still part of the same thing, recording, editing, and sending. And it was a little bit of like, I didn't know which direction to build toward. Who who are we building for? That was always a really murky question, right? So all that's to say is I, as I've talked about, I, I've dove into doing a lot of jobs to be done interviews um, to better understand the people who are using Zip Message, the people who are really happy paying customers, also the people who have used it and then they churned, and I've also interviewed people who fit some profile that, that have never even used Zip Message. So far, I've done thirty plus interviews, and I did a round back in June, which were, would I would say were really jobs to be done interviews, like talking to many different types of users and really understanding the, the the goal of that round was to figure out who is the best customer. And coming out of that, I, I did learn that coaches, like professional coaches are are the best user. And, and even going all the way back, I think I talked about this on Bootstrap Web in early 2021, very early on when I just launched ZipMessage for the first time, I felt like I needed to, to niche it down that's the playbook. You're supposed to niche it down, right? And my thought was like, I think coaches are, are using this more than others. I think I should niche down. And I decided not to. 
at that time. And I decided to stick with horizontal and, and then grew it from there for, for a year plus. And, and then the interviews in June sort of confirmed that original hunch that yes, in fact, the customers who, who are, according to metrics, are the best customers, they are the, the people who are using it for some form of coaching. There are some, some consultants too, and there, there's a lot of overlap there. That's what came out of the June interviews. Then here in, in August, I did another round of like 15 plus interviews only with coaches, just talking to, to our customers who are coaches, talking to other coaches who I was introduced to, to really go deep on like, okay, well, if coaches are the best user, what can we do to make this product even more valuable for them, more sticky for them, and really solve what they're trying to do? And it, and it definitely became clear. I won't get into all the details, but there are some pretty big jobs to be done things where, where coaches are definitely stringing together, duct taping together multiple tools, us plus two or three other tools that they pay for that aren't meant for the thing that they're trying to use those tools for. And, and that's pretty clear. Coaching is a relatively developed vertical at this point. Yes, it, right. it is. It is a vertical, but I would say coaching is actually even larger than I thought it was. When we think about coaching, a lot of us think of like business coaches and, and uh, executive coaches and leadership coaches. There's plenty of those, and we see a lot of them in, in Zip Message. Then, then even just even within the business realm, you have a lot of sub. So you got like sales coaches, marketing coaches, branding coaches. Then you've got consumer coaches, like life coaches, nutrition right. coaches, fitness, health coaches, fitness, yeah. guitar teachers, language coaches, speaking coaches. These are literally all customers of Zip Message. Like people have found Zip Message, and, and they come from these industries. So there's more to do there. there there's a lot more to do but... there. And, I'm, and, 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 you know, I've dabbled in coaching with, with my productized stuff in the past, but I've never really been a full-time professional coach. So I'm talking to all these people and I'm really understanding what, what do they aim to do? What are they doing? What have they done? And what are the, to what are the tooling around that? And so what this means going forward. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is these customer interviews are incredibly uh, insightful, illuminating, like, like they keep saying the same things and using the same words and, and Claire on my team and, and we're, we're going through these recordings. We're doing voice of customer you know, analysis and all this different stuff. That's amazing. But for me, what, what gets really exciting is corroborating that evidence with other evidence. We get a reason for, for why they cancel. So looking at all the reasons that people type into that form. I also get a lot of pre-sales questions People, before they even sign up. Like they they ask for certain features. Right. And you're starting to see all these things like. Yeah. And oh. and then you see like support tickets. Like how can I integrate ZipMessage with, with that? Because I'm trying to do this. And I see literally the same questions come in again and again and again, specifically from coaches. Other people don't ask those, but the coaches do. And they, and they are the best customer for us. And we actually see a lot of customers who come in, try it, and then pay for it, and then cancel because they were trying to do the same thing as 10 other people. Didn't quite get in there. And, and then there's another thing where it's like, they were trying to do this thing. All of these different customers were trying to do this thing that we don't even advertise that we are for that. They were just trying to do that. 
Like they were trying to fit us into this use case that like, we don't even have a page on our site about that. Right. They don't need you to get there. They just need the breadcrumb and they're already going to where they, where they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, what that leads to is we need to build more, more features. We need to adapt what we have in this direction. And this is not, I I don't think that this is going to become a disjointed beast of a, of a do it all product that, that has 15 different features that do different things. I really think that we have an opportunity just looking at all the, all the competitors. There's a lot of different competitors and alternatives that people use. Some are coaching specific. A lot are not at all. We have this angle where we are for asynchronous messaging conversations back and forth. And there's a lot of other types of interactivity that coaches look to do when they're communicating with their clients, other than just sending and receiving a message. Like a lot of them need to send a, an assessment form or, uh, or deliver some course content or deliver a worksheet or, or give them their, their template checklist for this or that. Like coaches have a library of things that they pull from and, and insert into their conversations with clients, you know? So, so that's a big direction that we're building into running group coaching is a, is a big thing, group cohorts and, and things like that. So there's a lot that we have now on a roadmap that is clear. And I feel pretty, pretty damn confident now having, having done all this research and, and it's like now for the first time in a while, we actually, I actually know what product we need to build because, <laughs> because before it was all about like, let's just make this really cool asynchronous messaging tool, which is a, which is a cool one trick pony, but it's, it's not a, a proper product that solves a big problem that is super valuable for people who build a business this way. So I'm pretty excited about it, but it's a, a long road ahead. And, and then the, the, the question, and, and so now is like, how, how do we actually execute on this? I want to avoid going into a cave and building it all and then launching it a year from now. So it has to be inter- incremental. And, and there's a long list of things that we need to build and features that we need to adapt and refactor the UI in different ways um, to fit this direction. But we have to be strategic about A, building the most important things in the right order and B, designing them in a way that doesn't disrupt our current users and and rolling them out in a in a incremental way, you know. Right. So people get value along the way instead of wait, waiting until it's done. Yeah. And like so just this week after months of of research and really understanding all this stuff, like I'm finally like actually opening up Figma and designing like what is are these changes going to look like, you know? And I think the current zip message is really going to stay as it is the current zip message is essentially in simple terms going to be the base plan of what we have and and all this new stuff goes into the middle plan and a new upper plan and that's sort of where it's headed you know cool well i i I like it it feels like you've built up the confidence in the right way to make the bet in this direction right that's effectively what it is it reminds me a lot of the same conversations that I had the same messages that I read all of these different things. When we made the decision to build the checkout product after running a abandoned car product for two years, you and your experience with cart hook. See, this is what I do when I, when I reach out to friends and advisors for advice, really what I look for is like, 
Can you share any experiences in your past that have any sort of parallel to what I'm what I'm faced with today? And and I have several friends who look, everyone has a completely different path, obviously. Everyone has different variables, different realities on the ground. But this is what I look to when I when I seek feedback and and looking at you with Carthook, and you're definitely one of the case studies that that I had been thinking of where where you had the checkout product the abandoned car product for what a year plus right for two years and then and then it was like there's this bigger opportunity right right but the 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 matrix like that view of understanding all these different parts and how they come together took a while and then at some point it's like oh shit i see something that i have confidence in that not many other people see and that we're in the right place to take advantage of. And then it gets to a place where, okay, I'm willing to make that bet. I'm willing to take the risk of foregoing other opportunities, other niches, other things, because right, you get to a level where you've spoken to enough people, you've read enough things, you've got the cancellation, the support, all these different pieces of information. And you're sitting at the top of that with the view that's good enough to take all that together and say, okay, I got it. Now, now I know what the market wants. I got it. Let, let, let me let me get going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's true. It, it it does bring a sense of relief to A, know what the roadmap is and what we're building towards and just, just put the resources in, in place to execute on this and make a plan and prioritize and all that. Yeah. Now I know what I can say no to. Because before, before having this clarity, I would get feature requests all over the place. I would I would get different marketing opportunities and things that wouldn't necessarily help us achieve any specific goal other than bringing more random users. And now, now we have a, we are executing a lot on marketing, but now, now it's all pointed in the same direction. You know, now, now it's all, and there's a lot more that we haven't even launched yet in that regard. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a perfect transition to, to my side of things, because what you're talking about is very important and essential but not enough. Like now you need to execute properly. And it that doesn't just mean building what you're supposed to build. The order of how things should be built and who to listen to most and how do you provide value along the way so people can pay you over the next year and get value out of it because it might take a year to actually come to fruition on all the stuff that you see as sufficient to satisfy this, this problem. That's where experience comes in. And that's that's almost like uh, the other side of being the business owner, right? The idea and the insight, phenomenal and important. And now to understand what you need to put together, who you need to put together to, to get it done, the like taste that you're adding to it in your own sense of things. It's like, it's it's fun. This is this is kind of what we were talking about before. It's running your own business. It is it is a creation process. I'm no artist, but this is where we get to do it as humans to create and build something. And we're doing it online, but it, it is a, a form of building. And I would say this whole research process has I've done plenty of customer interviews in my previous businesses, but I've never gone this deep before. And the creative side of it is like, man, I I know the problems so much 
more in, in, in detail on this one than I, than I did in the previous ones. And so that's the creative side is like, well, how can we come up with a solution that, that a works really great for these customers and b like the, there's another angle to this is like, well, if we're building this, how, how are we positioned? How, how will this be positioned in the market? So if we're, if we're up against these competitors in this side of the market, how are we different from them? And then there's these competitors on that side of the market. How are we different from them? And, and strategizing around that is, yeah. is a big part of it too. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. What, what we're engaged in right now is, is building up the team and the processes that are essential in effectively taking the software product that we've built and then the entire mechanism of getting people interested, getting people to know about it, get interested in it, want to try it, sign up for it, onboard it, become successful with it, stay with it. <laughs> like, so we well, had- What's that look like? What is the- Yeah, we, we've, had, we've had a lot of like team things happen. I don't know how else to say it. There's been turmoil is the wrong word, movement. So we've had a lot of, uh, we fired one person, we hired one person, one person resigned, we hired two more people, this person joined, this person's moving here, this person's resigning. There's just been a lot of movement over the last month or so. And I feel like fully engaged. It's, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. I'm very, very engaged in it, but it's almost like I'm, I'm having very little emotional response. I, I feel like I'm I'm acting like a professional when it comes to this. I am very sad uh, to fire someone. That sucks. But I I my emotional register is pretty flat. I'm like that is not good. I don't like that. That's partly my failure and the company's failure and partly the person's failure. And it's right for for us to split. And now what needs to happen next? I don't know if calculating is the right word. I'm trying to, it's hard to describe, but it's, no, I mean, it's like a, everyone knows is, you know, letting someone go is, is the worst. Nobody, nobody ever sets out to, to end up there, you know, but, but, you know, how many times have we seen and myself included, I'm sure you too, where you have someone who you, you know, there's a problem here, or it's just, this is not getting it done. This is not a good fit. And they stay on for, for longer than you would have right, liked. That's, you know, that's worse. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've, we've brought on a sales team and it feels like I'm cobbling together these pieces that will form the process. So if we, if we think about it from a funnel point of view, right, let's start at the top of the funnel. Uh, we've brought in a director of marketing. This is an interesting case where like the macro environment uh, has an impact on your company. Our, one of our direct competitors failed to raise money and is going out of business. Sucks. Right, we all sympathize, uh, but it created an opportunity for a marketer that has been working on a checkout product in the e-commerce space to come over and just bring all of that institutional knowledge. So that was like this fantastic uh, opportunity, and she is senior enough that we can look to her to drive strategy. Also, and it, it's been a funny experience with her because. I used to think of myself as a marketing-minded founder, and I'm no longer that. And when she came in and we started talking about it, I had to like, I had to like brush away the cobwebs of my marketing ideas. Like, oh, I have not thought deeply on marketing in too long. And some of it was, uh, there was an element of shame. Are there any like big 
big ideas, big concepts that you can talk about? Like not not your specific marketing, but like I don't know, things that well, I mean, this is this is where that chain comes in. Because some of the some of the very, very basic stuff we have not been doing. Because we have been doing a different thing. We have been acquiring customers through direct sales. And what that really means is that you're not reliant on like posting content. And then you get that rolling. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, our little startup hasn't published a blog post in six months. And I am embarrassed about it, but. No, but same here though. I mean, I, and, and like with content specifically, like we're doing it in a, in a, in a way that I, I believe is the right way to do it but it's completely different. And I ran a, a content marketing company right. for six years <laughs> and we didn't even do it the way that we're currently doing it on zip message, you know? And it's like, wow, this is, <laughs> this is so much, there, there's actually a strategy here, you know? Yes. So it feels, <laughs> it feels amazing to bring someone in like that. And she's basically taking the baton and saying, don't, don't worry. I, I, I got it. <laughs> you know, and it kind of soothing me on like, you don't need to feel guilty. Here's what we're going to do. And then it really turns into an, an exercise in, okay, let me admit that I am not going to be doing the marketing. I'm not going to be thinking about marketing as much as this person. My role right now is to empower this person, tell them to think big and ambitiously and let them know that I got their back and they, whatever resources they need up to an extent they have. So be aggressive and then start to put in a framework of reporting and accountability and like ideas and then start to back away. And it feels like I need to do that over and over and over again. So, right. That is on the marketing side, on the sales side, we brought in a consultant and, and he helped hire two AEs that are now full-time and they are off and running and they are generating demos and they, you know, they close the deal. It's already, it's only been a week and a half. And so now here we go. So now that's starting to run. And then again, I have to admit, I'm not a salesperson. I don't know the right thing. I need a leader in there that's going to report into me. And then I need to tell them, here's your budget. Here are your resources. Tell me what you need. And then, you know, this morning I had an interview with a customer success, like leadership role. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, this really building so out like the build that, that process. That's right. And then kind of explain, okay, here's how customer success works in this business. Here's why it's so important. Here's the hard part. Here's right. We don't have an issue getting someone interested when we, when we show the, the demo, the majority of people are interested. That's not the hard part. The hard part is going from interested to live and processing revenue. Therefore you, this is what you're measured on. And this is why it's hugely important. And here's the VP of product that you're going to talk to and make sure we get things right for the customers. Here's the person leading sales because you're going to work very closely together in a good way, not in a butthead sort of way, because that can happen, right? Sales can bring people in that success fails to onboard properly and then success gets upset. So I'm like, oh, I'm almost like remembering these these. Yeah, like the friction not, that happened. Yeah, like yeah, they're not yeah. detailed. It's like how the machine works. And fortunately, it feels like now is when we're going to get the benefit of having done this before at Cardhook because I'm literally conveying, here's what you should expect. Good, bad, ugly, healthy, not healthy, all that stuff. So, hmm. yeah, so it feels like- Do you find, I've seen this in a lot of my businesses and I see this with a lot of SaaS especially B2B SaaS that are big solutions. You have to catch the customer at the right time. They have to be looking to 
I guess in your in your case, would you say it's it's like overhauling their checkout? Like they have to be in the mode of like we're going to overhaul our checkout this quarter. You know, it's not that way for us, and it is both a uh, strength and weakness of our business. Our, the, our our weakness is that nobody wakes up one day and says, "You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look around for a new checkout." They don't do that because they they don't even know that it's possible. So the that's the the con side of it, the the weakness part. The strength of it is that no one's doing it, and it's so new and so interesting and exciting to these people because it's like a like you're running your business day to day, and then someone comes along and says, "I got something for you you've never seen before that can make a huge impact in your business," and like I'm uh, it's legit. I'm serious about it. It's not just like a you know a, a promise I make. And so what we have to do is figure out, uh, we have to figure out two levels, right? When when it comes to marketing, the way we're thinking about it is we don't just need to tell the market about our solution. We have to first convince the market that they need a checkout solution and they should not be happy with what they have right now. And then that needs to lead into Rally being the obvious choice, partly because Rally is the one that educated them on their need for a checkout. But we have to be okay with not winning the entire market. We still need to do the education. We, we run into this actually quite a bit because we, now we get a lot, a lot more leads who are just organically finding us, but there, there's a, there's a small number who actually Google search for a solution and we have, and that's where we're developing our SEO content strategies around like this intent based stuff. But that's a very, there just aren't that many people searching for this total product as a solution. So I've done a lot of guest post, I did like a webinar on, on SPI last week and two, two webinars actually last week. And like, so like, and guest articles, like people are just like hearing about it in, in random places. And so like, they just stumble across this thing called zip message. And it's like, oh, maybe I could use that. And then they go sign up. Like they, they weren't in a mode of like in the market searching for, and, and actually what I found is, is they stumble into us, they hear about us in some random place. They they sign up and then they go sign up for competitors and then and then it like kicks off a whole com- right like you introduced I, I introduced the idea to them and and now they're comparing us against competitors yes which yes. is sort sort of sucks sort of good I don't know I'm trying to remove the the sucks part of that mindset because there's enough benefit for being the ones that introduce the concept. Right, and we've all experienced it with like other products and other companies and other brands. That once you establish yourself as like the like the source of that concept, you you do win the majority of things because you are that source. Um, you still have to execute. On the sales front, it's slightly different because it's really more focused on the second part of that, which is knocking on people's foreheads and saying, "Hey, do you want to see this new thing you can do?" But it, it all falls apart unless you can onboard people properly. And if the features aren't right and it's like, okay, we're, we're building the machine. I know it's sort of just coming together for, for your customer success team now, but like, what does that look like for someone to go from, okay, they, they are excited from the sales call. Now, what else needs to happen for them to be active and using it? A lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like what is like implementation? What does activation look like? And how how are you thinking about how are you thinking about jumping them through the, these hoops? Because I, I that's a constant thing with us. Like like I've overhauled our onboarding multiple times, and and as we build these new features, it's going to become more 
hands-on, I think. I think we're eventually going to get to a point where we're doing more concierge onboarding, done yeah, with onboarding, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we, we, we are not even pretending. We are just going fully hands-on for yeah. the foreseeable future. Yeah. And that's really, that's the only thing that makes sense for, for a while. Uh, it is not necessarily a bad thing. We had a great time doing it at Cardhook. You build up the relationships. You build up the, the forgiveness uh, buffer. You get to add value. You learn a lot. It's we 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 love that part of it. The 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 single most difficult role that we have had at both Cardhook and Rally is the solutions engineer. The the engineering work that goes into onboarding, we do not know what to do with. We are trying to figure it out. One of the people that resigned uh, was the solutions engineer that we brought on board. He was around for a month. Like, that's not good. Like, maybe sure, he, he deserves some of the blame on maybe not understanding what he was getting himself into or whatever else, but there's definitely a healthy portion of that that's our fault. And so I am currently engaged in like a fact-finding research mission on like how are how are companies doing this? Is it a success role, a support role, a sales role? Is it a, a rotation of engineers? Like how do we do this? Yeah. How do we when find it, when it's like you have to get your hands dirty with the code? That means you have to have some engineering chops, right? You have need engineering chops, but you're not building features, and you're right. also talking to customers. And it's really, it's a really difficult. Or at least they're talking to your customer success person, right? Like they don't necessarily have to be, maybe they're in a call with a customer, but they don't have to be, you know, have that uh, personality of, of being a customer success. Like the customer success person can lead that and then just delegate to the engineer, right? Yes, but the, you, you do, you want them able to talk to merchants. Like you, you don't want to go through the success manager for every single interaction. So you just need to be personal enough and ideally enjoy it. Could this and, be like a junior, junior engineer? Role? We've tried it all. We've tried junior. We've tried just out of coding school. We've tried full blown, full stack engineer. We've, we've tried it all. And, and it is, it is a difficult one to figure out. I'm, I'm determined to figure it out because it's necessary in order to accomplish the successful onboarding. That's, that's that. Some of the guys over over in uh, Comfund are starting to put together this no code as a service uh, concept, and they're sort of experimenting with it. I don't even know if that's public. But <laughs> and I was talking to them a little bit, but because I see a lot of these no code consultants, there 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 are a lot of them. Uh, we we've had several customers who who literally that's what they do. Companies hire them to rig up complex no code solutions using multiple no code tools out there, right? That sounds ridiculous, but I understand what you mean. Totally. I mean, it's not just a basic Zapier zap. It's a super complex Zapier zap that talks to Airtable's power features that talks to this and that and that spreadsheet and all this different stuff, right? Your CRM. So I think that like, yes, there's that need. Companies always need to rig up their internal ops with no code stuff. But I think this, what you're describing, this this solutions engineer, I don't know if it's the right thing for Rally, but like in general, there's a lot of SaaS who who need that that last step, that onboarding to integrate your SaaS with the, the four other tools that are integral to their business. Have somebody, like instead of pointing them to your knowledge base docs, 
or instead of telling them, hey, go to Zapier, we've got a Zapier integration, go figure it out. Like, no, have someone on your team who is a, a no-code wizard and and that's their that's their role is just hook them up with what and and it's going to be different for every customer but that's what they thrive in like yeah what we found is there's a, there's one degree or maybe several degrees higher technical ability required in order to accomplish it than no code solutions that's that's the bottom line that's you know because when, like, yeah when someone goes we are using code. right how do we use one payment processor for our big commerce checkout and one payment processor for Ali. Like, you know what? That's no code. That's just a, yes, we have that feature. But then the next question is, how do I get these tracking scripts for Instagram, TikTok, and Snap from my Google Tag Manager at the big commerce level over to the Rally checkout to make sure it works? Like, okay, cool. You can copy and paste. Great. Now test it out. Now make tweaks. Now make adjustments. Oh, it's coming in, but it's actually showing the wrong price. It's not taking shipping into account. So like at some point, you got to start looking underneath and understanding what's what's happening. Yeah. Totally, man. How are we doing on time? Should we wrap it up? I think we should wrap it up. I feel like, you know, we can just yeah. keep going in this conversation for, <laughs> got a, for got a long a time. But yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been about an hour. Good stuff. Yeah, I feel like today was a good view on like, you know, just just what's on our mind on uh, the prompts of trying to solve. That's right. That's right. Well, hopefully we'll get a bunch more updates in the next few weeks. I'm excited. Yeah. Good stuff. Thanks for listening, everyone. Later, folks. See you.